106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Good morning, Vietnam! Here's Johnny. He told me, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. You're gonna need a bigger boat. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I love you. I know. Say hello to my little friend. Rose, where we're going, we don't need Rose. All right, and welcome to Are You Still Watching? Got a little bit of a different show today. I have Josh with me. Frank couldn't make it this week, but that's all right. He's probably watching a Yankee game or watching the cheater with. We oh. miss you, Frank. Please come back. <laughs> no, let me stop. Well, we can, he'll, he'll be back next episode. He work, work and life came up. Yeah, he'll be back next week. And it's uh, next week's show is going to be like our favorite intro sequences for movies. So if you guys have any you want to add to it, uh, shoot us a DM on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever. But a next week's show should be fun. We're trying to do it something fun for Frank. It's his birthday. So mm-hmm. if you guys listen to this, uh, go go wish him happy birthday because mm-hmm. he needs all the love. All the love. Why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn. I was like, I was just thinking, I was like, yo, this would have been dope back in January. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it was. I was like, I wasn't making fun of him. I was just thinking about me, too. I was like, yo, I need all the love, too. <laughs> but for real, guys, uh, yeah, go give him some love, man. Like, mm-hmm. it's his birthday. We haven't really talked too much about, like, ourselves outside of, like, the movies that we like. So Frank's birthday is next week. It'll be a little more fun episode. And uh, hopefully if we had the lists up in order, I, I want to do an actual Skype video call with everybody so we can post that later. You guys can watch the our favorite sequences with us and react with us and hear a little feedback on stuff. But um, anyways, let's get to today. Today we're doing D-Day. I'm releasing this uh, a day early on Sunday. But pretty much we're just talking about some of our favorite World War II films. And I know I gave these guys a list. And like it has everything from Hacksaw Ridge to Patton to Jojo Rabbit. Because it, it kind of all deals with just World War II in general. Yep. But I think, uh, you know, the anniversary of D-Day is a big one because it, I think Saving Private Ryan really brought that to fruition with how real that opening sequence was. And, and I mean, I don't know if they... Uh, if, I, I can't find that behind-the-scenes thing where I was telling you that the... Uh, the guys watching it that were in Normandy, like they looked mm. away because it, it looked so real, and like it brought back a lot of these horrible memories from from landing. But um, if I find that, I'll post it too, so you guys can check that out. But um, so we'll start with Saving Private Ryan because I think let's, let's do it. That's like the the all time one of the greatest opening scenes for me, and I know we're not doing that this week, but yeah. in terms of like accuracy. And just the way it was, it's all shot on film and you see light leaks in it and it, it kind of throws you off if you're not 
used to that. I, there's a particular scene where the camera's moving, and then you see these like white lines go across the uh, the screen. Yeah, and I like that they kept it in because it gave it a different feel. And when like the blood like goes like on the camera and stuff like that, uh, it, yeah, it, it, it was just amazing. It 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 throws you in there and stuff like that. Uh, I've also kind of heard like that story you was talking about. Like uh, for, uh, the story that I heard was like some of the veterans like in the movie theater like they had to leave the theater. Yeah, doing that part and like that's how you know like when you, like. When people that actually been there, like it affects them and they gotta like leave, like that's how you know you're like you kinda like did your job and stuff. But uh yeah, it's like part of me, like when I saw it, when you see like Tom Hanks hand shaking, not saying I'm Tom Hanks, but I was like, I could t- I, my hand would totally be shaking. And <laughs> <laughs> no some stressful <laughs> shit, man. <laughs> being real, like knowing myself being realistically I would be the guy that fucking drowned in the water. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like trying to get the uh, the uh, the equipment off and like the, like he just drowns. I was like, fuck. I was like, do you do you think like that guy's like known as like a hero? Like I would call him a hero, but like, do you think like when it's like, oh, he's a hero? Like he's in heaven. Like people just kind of just like look at him. So I got a couple of quotes here from a Time Magazine article, and one of the guys actually worked on the movie. Um, Spielberg wanted to get a U.S. combat marine veteran turn. He's a Hollywood consultant now. Mm-hmm. and I mean, his job is to make films look as realistic as possible. And um, it, the quote here is, it says it's basically, basically 100% accurate. He was a 20-year-old medic tending to wounded on June 7th. And then he goes on to say there was no Hollywood embellishment. And then another D-Day survivor, John Rain, says, very good portrayal of Omaha Beach. It left him speechless. Five decades after he landed there on June 6th as a 22-year-old Army captain, I remember when I walked out into the lobby of the movie house, not a single person coming out of that showing said one word. Everybody was stunned by it. I was too. I wasn't about to talk to anyone either. It just brought back so many memories that your mind was racing through all the things that happened to you. So... It's some some heavy duty shit, and like Josh says, I'd probably be one of the guys like jumping over the side trying to get out of my shit. But you're getting shot at. There's explosions. You're trying to look for cover. You're trying to look where you're going. The fucking salt water is getting everywhere. You're ingesting it. Like I would have died for sure. It, it, it's like it, it's like the German soldiers. They're there. They're set up. They're waiting. You're walking into this, like that. Walking into this horrible bottleneck to begin with. That's mind blowing. Like to like to think. Imagine like you, you and a group of friends are like going somewhere, and you're like, "Hey, as soon as we get out the car, gunfire is going to be like immediately there. Some of the people in the front are going to die. Some of you won't, won't even make it to where we're going." Like. Your friends would be like, where the fuck are we going? No. No, but like these people, like, you know, they answered the call for that and stuff like that. They, they wanted to go do this and stuff like that. And, you know, like that, that open scene just like, it just captures, man. Like it throws you directly. And I know some people that they have like problems like with the, like the booking scene, like, you know, when it comes on with the graveyard, 
yeah. and with eyes and stuff like that. And to me, that's really like nitpicking and stuff like that because it, it it doesn't take away from it and stuff because like you 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 just you're barely there. Like you're with an old uh, old man and his family, like, and you see you're at the graveyard. Like you see like the bodies and stuff like that, and then like it switches, and then like those bodies actually become human beings. Like that's the way I look at it. I think it was <clears throat> it was insightful. Like. Mm-hmm. I think we're, and I don't want to get political, but I think we're very privileged now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, across the board, it's not just here in the U.S. I think like society as a whole is very privileged because we don't have to deal with world wars. We don't have to deal yeah. with drafts, with you know the shit that they dealt with in World War II, where they're going to fight this ginormous piece of shit mm-hmm. in Europe that's just stomping everybody and. Mm-hmm. It's 18, 19, 20-year-olds going onto a beach. Probably going to die, but they're doing it for the greater good, I guess. And I know that whole opening sequence, It, it I watched it when I was, what, 12 years old? <laughs> <laughs> Scarred. <laughs> but I was always interested in World War II, yeah. D-Day, the Pacific. Like It was one of those things that I thought was interesting and i think it was more for they just looked the look of the of the military back in the in the, in the 50s and the 40s like they looked like uh like gi joe's like i played with gi joe's when i was growing up so to see a movie where they're all dressed the same way and it just i don't know it it made me really like dive into world war Two history and be super interested in it and i think this film does a really good job of breaking down what D-Day was and, you know, outside of the rest of the plot where they got to go find Ryan because his mm-hmm. brothers died. Like, I get that. But I think Spielberg and Hanks really nailed that opening sequence. And it's, what, 20-something minutes long? One of the longest opening sequences in film, I think. Yeah. And, yeah. Because I, I think, like, you know, nine minutes of it is just them trying to get on to the beach. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you, you have the iconic shot uh, like Tom Hanks, he's just like kind of like frozen, and you see the the guy looking around for his arm. And before that, like you see another guy, like he has like the, uh, I guess like the the blowtorch, and they shoot it and it explodes. Oh him. yeah, and you just like man, like that, it's it's fucking hell on earth. It was man, like I, I don't know, those guys are <laughs> all those guys are heroes. Yeah. I don't, I don't care if you yeah. died in the boat, whatever. Those guys are fucking heroes, man. Yeah, I was like, I'm, 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 I feel bad for like making that little joke, but that was just something that ran across my head. But yeah, of course, like just, just going, even if you were like drafted, like just going and stuff like that, because you know, yeah, a lot of people, you know, they probably didn't. And something that was interesting that I find interesting about World War Two was like uh, some people say that was kind of known as the last good war like it was specifically good versus evil like wars after that have kind of been a little you know murky and stuff like that like morally ambiguous they've been about oil let's be honest yeah yeah some yeah and you know you had like uh like vietnam and like you said the iraq war but like this one it was just like yo this is strictly evil and from what i read and stuff like that 
a lot of these people, they didn't even know, like, the, concentra- the concentration camps were real. Like, when they were renting and stuff like that. It's a it's a book that I read by uh, a film journalist, reviewers, more characters called The Five Who Came Back. And it was about, like, five filmmakers that went and, like, made, I guess you could say, I guess you can call them, like, propaganda films for, like, U.S. soldiers and stuff. And one of them, I forgot which one it was, but, like, he went and, like, he filmed, like, some of, like, the concentration camp. And, like, to think about, like, just, just imagine, like, you, what we know now, but, like, back then, you're hearing about these things. And you just like, nah, it, it's no way another person could do that to another person. And then you go, you see it, you film it, and, like, you send that footage out. And, I'm, you know, people see it and they're just like, yo, that's crazy. We have to go and destroy this. We have to go save these people. We have to go in whoever did that to these people. So, yeah, like, filmmaking played a, you know, pretty decent-sized chunk in this. Because I'm, I'm going to be honest and stuff like that. Uh, Germany had some pretty good propaganda. Well, they had uh, Joseph Gables, if I'm saying that right. Like, they had uh-huh. a whole propaganda ministry. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, because if you watch, like, Inglorious Bastards and... You, like, I know a lot of it is exaggerated, but they really did have this whole thing dedicated to propaganda to make you believe that these people were evil. And it starts really small by, you know, oh, you're going to wear an or- a star on your shoulder, on your chest. And it just kind of it escalates from there. So it, genuinely, it's about evil people. Yeah. And good people that don't think this shit should happen and I, mm-hmm. they're right like who the fuck are we to say that because mm-hmm. you are this religion or this color no like you you can't be part of us but it's a it's a 1935 propaganda film i had to look it up it's called trifle of the will it was made by a woman called lynn rothstein and like that was like the ultimate propaganda film like nope. that's yeah that that's the one that made like Hitler look all good and cool and like people like want to follow him and stuff like that like it, it's still controversial to this day because they had a lot of like filmmaking like production and like things like like people what like from what I heard and stuff that like it it it's shot great and all of that but like it, you know it people been like saying like it's known as like spectacular filmmaking. But it was, like, part of an unethical system. Like, you know, like, it's propaganda. It's anti-Semitic. It promotes genocide. And, but, yeah, like, that, that that made, like, the U.S. go, you know what? Like, they're fucking using movies to, like, you know, promote a bad message. We got to get on our shit. And that's why they went and got, like, these five directors to do it and stuff like that. You had, like, John Ford, Frank Capella, William Wilder. George Stevens and John Hudson to do that and stuff like this. Like you, they really got like five pro- very good predominant filmmakers to go and film stuff to fight against that. So kind of going off of this, um, I know you haven't gotten to it yet mm. in Band of Brothers, but um, let's go. Let's talk about it, which is kind I of like did. a companion piece. To say <laughs> it is, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, 
later on in Band of Brothers, there's an episode where they're walking through a forest and they stumble on one of these fucking camps. Mm-hmm. And I think I shared about this on our Twitter and on our Patreon. It was a, a snippet from it. And I told you guys, like, one of the reasons that that episode was particular for me was because I heard those stories, like, from somebody that lived it. Sure. And to see it on film that way was just, like, it was mind-blowing because here I am, you know, little 14-year-old me, and I had heard the lady talk about it and how shitty it was. And then to see it and to see, like, every all the actors' faces in that one episode – like they really played it off well, and the images that you get from Spielberg and Hanks in, in that episode are, goddamn, like they're they're so realistic. You know, these people are, they're famished. You can see every single bone in their body, um, and then everybody's covering their mouths. So I mean, you can only imagine what the smell was like, yeah. and it's just it's indescribable horror. When these people, these soldiers that are, you know, there to fight these bad Nazis, they roll up on a camp, not knowing what the hell's going on, not knowing what it is, Mm -hmm. and you, you, you find that like, I don't know, that episode really stands out to me, man. Um, Let me find which one it is. That's not like that's. That's just crazy. That that's just more just like being thrown. Into situations that you are not prepared for. Like, I don't think nobody expected to walk up into, like, you know, a concentration camp and just be like, oh my God. Seeing yeah, what they just. You're spending all this damn time fighting Nazis and, mm-hmm. and you know, you're going after the bad guys. <clears throat> and then you walk up on a camp and you don't know what it is. And then you see the people. And then it starts to kind of slowly. It triggers, and you're like, oh, shit, so this is what it is. The episode's mm-hmm. called Why We Fight. Perfect title. It's uh, season one, episode nine. So, okay. Josh, you got a, you got a ways to go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's episode five, yeah. And, like I said, yeah. Uh, getting back to, like, an, a, another film that I particularly like about World War II, The Thin Red Line. Oh, dude. One of uh, one of the best ones, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it came out. I want to say like the same year as Saving Private Ryan. Like that one, much deserved. Like it got all the got all the awards and attention and stuff like that. This movie's also got attention because you know, it, uh, directed by Terrence Malick, who I'm a huge fan of. He came back at 20 years to make it. It's and more, the cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> Karen Merrick doesn't give a fuck. Like, you can be a big star, <laughs> and, like, you'll be on there for, like, tw- I think, like, George Clooney is on there for, like, a minute. Yeah, something like that. I <laughs> yeah, mean, dude, like... <laughs> John C. Riley's in this. Woody Harrison ass blows, huh? <laughs> hey, y'all blew my butthole off. <laughs> like, Terrence Mel- like, I've read stories about people showing up to the premiere thinking they the star of, and they was, I think it was like Adrian Brody. He thought this was going to be his big come out party, and like he wasn't in it like that much. Like he's just like walking in the field. <laughs> like Terrence Maverick does not give a fuck. Like he, <laughs> he will cut you from his film, or like he'll just have you like walking around with a voiceover talking about nature. 
yeah, but yeah, it's more of a like a spiritual slash philosophical work and stuff like that. Like I said, like you have the voiceovers and it it shows you like some of the, like it, it has some pretty good battle scenes in it too. Like nothing on like the scale of Saber Prime Ron, but yeah, like it's I would definitely say more like spiritual. And he just uh it's like visual poetry. Like he knows how to shoot nature. And you will get a voiceover about it. It uh the thing I I think I saw that probably like eighth grade probably, mm. but um yeah I just, I remember like I was being amazed by it and then there's all this blood and then when you see Woody Harrelson's fucking ass get blown up <laughs> you're kind of like wait what what and then you gotta go back and you gotta like rewind it and watch it like oh shit that did happen. <laughs> If I remember, it's a scene like it's a it's a it's a battle going on, and then like the camera cuts to like a bird flying from a tree. Yeah, the cinematography and, is it's on point, man. Yeah, and it's just like yo, it's like the this is just like a man made thing coming disturbing nature. That's like the point, like that it is like not hitting you over the head with it, but it's just like yeah, because it's in like Guadalcanal. Uh, with you know, uh, you have Saved by Ronald. Normally, this is like Guadalcanal. Yeah, this is and... earlier. This is nineteen forty-two, probably forty-one. So probably because D-Day was nineteen forty-four. Mm-hmm. No, so this had to be nineteen forty-two. Then let me see. Yeah, yeah, nineteen forty-two. You, you, you are correct, sir. <laughs> But uh, the way that they're all splitting up ammo from that helmet, mm-hmm. that was like, oh, damn, we're in this shit. Like, we're in this. And then when they start shooting medics and stuff, it just showed like the level of fucks given was zero. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the cast. Like, I, f- I forgot John Tavota's in here. And like, when you look at like he gets his name was like way at the bottom. What? Where? I think he might have been like on the ship, <laughs> like when the camera's just like floating by and you see faces. Oh Jesus Christ! All right, and then uh, you know you had like Nick notes as like the uh, the career soldier who's finally getting it's like this is his war to yeah. like control and like he takes it too far and he's like oh shit we're gonna follow Nick nope and it's like nope <laughs> it goes to like other people. <laughs> uh, it was really spiritual. Like it captured. Mm-hmm. the shit that the soldiers are going through and the psychological aspects of it a little bit and I don't know, everything was just it's very intimate, mm-hmm. I guess I was, I was like you, uh, I was like man, you were, uh, I, 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 like I said, I love his sense of wonder and how he shoots nature in the voice so it, it's just, maybe some films and to a lot of people it, it can come off uh you know, it's pretentious and stuff like that. But when he's on, he is on. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. A, that's exactly how I feel and stuff like that. Like it's, I, I think it's a great palate cleanser to Save a Power Ryan because Save Power Ryan is like full on war mission and stuff like that. Like 
Man, you're in it for three hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, like I said, like this is more of like a spiritual, philosophical thing. Cause you got Sean Penn as like this soldier who really lacks like any, like he he's just in the war, and he's there. That's his mindset. And you have, uh. Jim Calavage, uh, like he played Jesus and Passion of Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he played Jesus and Passion of the Christ, and he's more of like uh, the spiritual soldier and stuff like that. And they have like this whole little talk in the house, and he asked Sean Penn. And he was like, Do you, he's, "He's like, man, this is a lonely house. Do you ever feel alone?" And Sean Penn's like, "Only around people." And he tells him, "He was, he was like, he was like, you got this thing about Jesus. He's like, you never want to follow my directions." And he's like, "I say go right, you go left." And he, and he was like, you got this light. He's like, you got this light in you. I don't understand it. And, you know, and then later on, you have Gingerville talking about immortality and how he never seen it. And he could see the death in his mother. Like I said, like, it is. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, Save Robert Ross definitely like the bigger and like grander filmmaking and movie and stuff. You want to show people like, yo, this is probably what it was like in World War II. But like, yeah. This definitely goes like more psychological and stuff. Yeah, it makes you really kind of experience what the soldiers are going through and crap. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you feel bad for people, you feel good for people, mm-hmm. you laugh a little bit. I mean, the Thin Red Line was not like a blockbuster, like you said, like Save yeah. Save Private Ryan, but it's an amazing ass movie, and mm-hmm. I, they're all, they're both good. You gotta yeah. you gotta watch both of them. Yeah. And really take in, like I guess the grittiness of Saving Private Ryan, and then add mm-hmm. that emotion to it from the Thin Red Line. Mm-hmm. And then you have films like Let's Talk Fury. Let's talk what? Fury. Have you seen that one? Oh yeah, yes I have. I'm, I'm glad that we, we can also talk about like movies that have like probably a little bit. I don't want to use the word more fun, but not as serious. It's like Saving Private Ryan at the end, like like movies that they're just like fucking guys rolling around in the fucking tank. <laughs> like it, it gets there, but I'm like, you yeah, have John Bonnell, you have Shia LaBeouf, you have Brad Pitt, you have Logan uh, Lerman, you know, from like Percy Jackson films and stuff like yeah. that. Like there's shit talk. Michael Pena, there's shit talking in a tank. <laughs> okay, I fucking love Michael Pena and all of, almost all of his movies. Like I fucking love him. <laughs> Amazing actor. <laughs> very diverse mm. very diverse and then you got Johnny Brenthal mm-hmm. like, everybody's just good in this movie Shia LaBeouf is a crazy son of a bitch but I'll give it to him he was good in this movie <laughs> nobody out crazy Brad Pitt <laughs> but Brad Pitt's like a down to earth kind of crazy uh. Shia LaBeouf cut himself on purpose for the movie crazy <laughs> Well blown, Memphis. But I, 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 I love movies like this. Like where it can, you know, there, uh, it gets serious, but it also just having them a good time. Like I, a movie I was thinking of. I don't know if you saw it, The Dirty Dozen. I haven't. It's I haven't yet. yeah. It's just about like these soldiers. They're like, I think they've been like court martial, and they might be going to jail. Some of them might be like online to get hanged. And like they have a mission to go through, it, it, it's 
it's basically like Suicide Squad, like before Suicide oh, Squad. Um, so that they're actually there's a real unit or mm-hmm. units from World War II that the Inglorious Bastards was based on, mm-hmm. and that's one of them, I think. Yeah, I believe so. And uh, yeah, it's like uh, the real version, I believe, was called the, the Fifty Thirteen. Yeah, the the filthy something. Or I, I remember reading about this and watching a video on it too. But I was like, "What the fuck?" And funny story: the reason they're called the filthy twelve or thirteen was because they didn't shower. They didn't use their water rations <laughs> to bathe. They used it to hunt and cook food. Priorities. <laughs> but, but oh damn, man, those guys psychos, man. Yeah, and like I said like it. it, it I believe it's on HBO Max, and like you have some people, they get turned off about like older films. It's like from 1960, but I promise you, you will have a good time like getting to know these characters. Like uh, it has Jim Brown, uh, he's number three. I think his sentence was death by like a lot of these guys are death by like hanging. They got 20 years hard labor, so like they they just like fuck it. If this is what I gotta do to do it. I'm gonna do it, and you have like Lee Mar uh, Lee Marvin as like the uh, the major like over this like little unit and stuff like that. And some I noticed about like a lot of like film stores like back in like the sixties and seventies. A lot of these guys were veterans. Dude, Charles Bronson was in this. Yep. And like, Donald uh, Sutherland. Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, I was like, yeah, like uh, like I said, like Lee Marvin, he was in World War Two. I think I want to say Charles Bronson was too. He looks like the like his movies and the characters that he plays looks like mm. he's somebody from from them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charles Bronson. He was in the Air Force during World War Two. Like, so it, it's a lot of like film stars from back then that like they went to fucking war and they came back and just like became like these huge successful stars. And you just be like surprised. You like, cause, uh, like I'll, I'll just be like looking at them. I'm like, oh shit, this guy fought in fucking World War II. <laughs> okay, I gotta watch this one. This one looks interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I said. Like movies like that and uh, and Glorious Bastards. What it might not be like historically fact and stuff like that, but it just gives you like a good time. Yeah, I'm just saying. Nobody ever shot Hitler in the face with a grease gun, but. It's a good fantasy, right? Yeah, I said, that, that's very <laughs> wish fulfillment. <laughs> so, um, I know we're on this like funny aspect of World War II mm-hmm. films. You saw Jojo Rabbit, right? I saw most of it. <laughs> yeah, I was like that. That ended. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, my mom's dead. The war's over, but let's dance. <laughs> I was like, oh shit! I was, I've heard about. I was like, it's no fucking way this movie ends with this kid that fucking idolized Hitler dancing with a Jewish girl that he came to love. I was like, it's no fuck, and that's how the movie goes. Hey, but I'm just saying, Taika Waititi played a very likable Hitler. <laughs> That's a director I gotta give like more of a chance to. I'm not gonna lie, like I, 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 I hate like I said, uh, Frank is here in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go on, go on. He's he's got that Marvel stank on him. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> he does. 
like uh you know he directed like uh what's that uh thor what was that uh Rannick and stuff like that <laughs> i haven't seen it so like a lot i was like yeah he's got that he's got that more of a stank on it but i've I heard like all of his films are great <laughs> and like i just need to like watch it but yeah well not but like i said when i saw that ending i was like yo this is fucking wild <laughs> dude it threw me off i was like what the fuck ending is this like your mother's dead you and your best friend are kind of alive, his chubby friend. <laughs> and then you have uh, Elsa, who he saved. Or kind of, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But it, I like the movie. And then Taika Waititi being this fucking idiot Hitler. And uh, it, there's a lot of hilarity in it. It's a good, like, release from serious movies. Yeah. Even though it's talking about, like, Nazi Germany mm. and... You got Sam Rock- Rockwell giving the kids fucking grenades and handguns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Re- Re- Rebel Wilson, I think she picks up a grenade. Oh, Andre. dude, she's hilarious in this. Here, let's go burn some books. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was like a little controversy. They were like, oh, can you make jokes about the Holocaust? And I was like, sure, you know, sure you can. Well, to me, as long as you take the subject matter serious, because it's not making fun of Holocaust, it's making fun of like Hitler and yeah. the Nazi ideology and stuff like that. It's always like where the humor is pointed at and stuff like that. And uh, the young woman that played the Jewish uh, girl in the film, Tamay McKenzie, phenomenal actress. Oh, dude, she was amazing. She hey, was I don't, freaking amazing. She's in this movie called Leave No Church, which is also, it's more about like the Iraq uh, war and stuff like that. Her dad's a veteran and they live like in the Pacific Northwest area. Like they live in like, uh, they live off grid and they get caught in the park and they get transferred to like a home where like, you know, they can work outside, but they also have a stable place to live. And her dad's played by Ben Foster and he's having a hard time adjusting because I guess, you know, like PTSD and all of that. Great. Oh, I think I saw this great. one. Great. Yeah, like, leave notes. Great. And, like, she, so, so just, like, when I saw her name and stuff, like, you, you ever, like, see your performance is so good, like, you be like, yo, I'm going to, like, keep an eye on this particular actor and, like, their career? That's that, not Ben Foster, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. that's me, like, but that's, like, also me, like, with her, in this and stuff like that, like when she was in there, and then when I saw like she was in like JoJo Rabbit, I was like, okay, and yep, yep, she's dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I saw this once just because it was one of those ones that like popped up mm-hmm. as a suggested. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember, oh shit, I didn't even think about her being in that damn movie, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> you know, she, she, I think she was a little bit younger when she was in Leave No Trace than in uh, JoJo Rap, and then like you know, looking different. I mean, she also was in The Hobbit, <laughs> so she's had her. Yeah, I was like, did not. Well, yeah, she is new. She is from New, uh, new Zealand, so yeah, I did not know she was in The Hobbit. That's she's yeah. from Wellington, New Zealand. Mm. Sounds very proper. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad we was able like to bring up like a less uh, serious side and stuff like that. But yeah, I, uh, like when, when I, you know, like movies that come out uh, 
especially during Oscar season, they always get like these backlash and stuff like that. But that, that, that was what I was curious about. I was like, all right, they, they're, they're trying to like, you know, drag this movie down, you know, to make the, uh, to prop, uh, to pull other movies up or something like that. But yeah, when yeah. I saw that, I was, I was like, I was like, I was like, yeah, you, uh, I was like, I guess it depends on like how you use the human. Then, like when you watch it, they're not making fun of like the Holocaust or Jews. All the Nazis in this, the Nazi characters are fucking stupid. Yeah, and <laughs> they do a good job portraying that shit. Like, yeah, there's a breakdown on YouTube of how many times they say "Hell uh, Hitler" in one scene <laughs> because all these Nazi SS dudes are walking into the house of JoJo and "Hell Hitler, Hell Hitler," like over and over. And it's so repetitive that it's fucking hilarious because just like, mm. this is stupid. Like, why mm. why does this have to be done every single time you fucking hale, hale, hale. when you say hi to somebody? Just say, hey man, how's it going? Like, <laughs> I get it. We're both Nazis. We hate the same thing. Word, brother. But it's it's hilarious in that aspect. Like, it makes fun of their stupidity and even JoJo, like, the things that they say, oh, the Jews have fangs and they're stupid and nah, nah, nah. Like, and it's they really, so unbelievably uh, the things that they believed in. Yeah. Wow. And wow. they really got like kids to believe that because you know they're kids. They're sponges, man. They'll take up mm. whatever you want to believe. I, I like uh, Mel Brooks' like comment about uh, Hitler. He said, "I was never crazy about Hitler. If you stand on a soapbox and trade retorts with a dictator, you'll never win." That's what they do so well. They seduce people. But yeah. if you really cue them, bring them down with laughter, they can't win. You show them how crazy you are. And he was talking about the producer. I don't know if you ever seen uh, the producer. Uh, basically, they try to, these two guys, they try to come up. They realize you can make more money with a flop than with a hit on Broadway. <laughs> and the, the play they come out with is called Springtime for Hitler. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, just, <laughs> <laughs> I'll find the clip of it and send it to you. Like the also on HBO Max, also very hilarious. Like it's, it's not, nothing with like World War Two, but just like the springtime for Hitler. Like, like when they when they do the performance, like everybody in the crowd, mouth is just open. Like, what the fuck did we just watch? And then it's like one guy clapping, and everybody just turns around and just starts hitting them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's. I, I feel the way Mel Brooks said about like films like Jojo Rabbit and stuff like that. Like you know, it's making fun. Like Hitler's a you know he's an imaginary friend to this little boy. Oh, they did a thing with Will Ferrell and uh, uh, Matthew Broderick. Yeah, uh, that, that was the remake. Oh, uh, I haven't seen them. I, I, I saw the <laughs> the original with Gene Wilder. Yeah, because I see that there's one in 1967-2005, so mm-hmm. I'm yeah, going to watch both and I will give you my comprehensive <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got the wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Oh, that's a sound clip. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when, when they hire a sister that doesn't speak English and Gene Wilder was like, what is she going to do? He said, what, what will people say? He said, they will say, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Oh shit, man! <laughs> so, right. can we talk about a love story, but it's based around World War Two? What? 
a love story based around World War II. An event in World War II. Can you guess the movie? You said a love story? Yes. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Pearl Harbor. Son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm thinking about like a guard that falls in love with like women that kept captured. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's kind of bleak, but I guess you can fall in love anywhere. I'm talking about the one of the greatest World War II flicks of all time, Pearl Harbor, because it's so historically accurate. <laughs> There's not a love triangle in it. There's totally not a battle where <laughs> these two guys that hate each other get in planes and they go and they shoot down some Japanese bombers and none of that happens. They're just, it's all about the girl. It's all about Liv Tyler. I, I know this movie gets shitted on a lot, but I had to think about it. Uh, she, she actually did the right thing. I'm not going to lie. Like, what was she supposed to do? Fucking mourn him forever? Like she was like, nope, his friend's here. He's not here. Let's get this family started. And then somebody's gonna listen to this. They be like, oh, he's like fucking degrade. No, I'm being dead fucking serious. I was like, she <laughs> she did what she was supposed to do. Like like I said, somebody's gonna be like, oh, you know, trying to make a thing. Like I'm trying to like put her down. No, no, I. Anybody would have did the same thing. <laughs> I just thought the movie itself was. It was trash. Just make it about the fucking love story. Don't don't give me these bombings and a historical event that happened and you just kind of like put it to the side because Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck and I Josh, Hart. Josh Hartnett. Yeah. <laughs> they can't figure out who the baby daddy is. Like, come on, y'all. Yeah. It's, like, it's been a while since I watched it, but I was like, I don't think Michael Bay understands love. For real, it was all like... <laughs> Gigantic explosions and machine guns and airplanes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Liv Tyler's gonna have a baby, and we just gotta pick a guy. <laughs> what in the Superman return plotline is this? <laughs> hey, he upgraded to play Batman. All right, leave him alone. Also, <laughs> uh, Superman return, like when they, uh, when Lois Lane has a baby, and people's like, "Is it Superman's baby?" <laughs> 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 oh, uh. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, you know, like I, I get, maybe in his head he saw the whole love triangle when he had like one of them quote unquote die and they come back and it just made things super complicated. Well, like <clears throat> to me, I think one of the things that Pearl Harbor missed, and it's a small snippet during the actual attack was uh, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character shooting the planes down from the deck of the ship and then going and saving his shipmates because that actually happened. And I think they should have done a story around yeah. him instead of the, the love triangle between these other three because that's a good fucking story. Like, it's true. It happened. He was a fucking cook. And he just he put his big boy pants on. He went out there and started fighting. But instead, we got Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler and Josh Hartnett. That's fantastic, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, I'm liking, like, you know, it, it maybe, like, took too long, but, like, I'm now, we're able to see, like, more diverse soldier stories and stuff like that. Like, to me, uh, 
as you know, as as a black man, like going over to like France and like Germany and being on the tank and then like, you know, coming back not being able to use the GI Bill, treating like a second class citizen. Like yeah. that's uh th- th- that has that has potential for great story. It could probably, you know, if that if not done correctly, be a little melodramatic, but like you have uh potentials for great stories. It's it made me think of a movie. It's it's a Netflix original. It's called Mudbone. It's about like this family and you know, they're farmers and stuff like that. And one of their sons, played by Jason Mitchell, he goes to the war and he comes back. And like I said, treat like a second class is and he was like I was on a tank in France. He was like, he was like, I, I, I liberated the town. People call me a hero, and when I come back, I'm being called n-word. I'm being treated like I'm nothing. So, seeing how that goes and stuff like that, probably for like you know black, uh, Latino soldiers and stuff like that, maybe even like Indian soldiers, because you you did have well, what were they called? The winter. Guys, the winter. Yeah, they did like the codes. Yeah. The code breakers. Yeah, the code breakers and stuff like that. I was like, just, you know, fighting for a country, and when you come back, they just treat you like shit. That's very patriotic to me. Yeah, because they're still going over there and kicking ass, and they know they're going to get shit-talked when they come back, but they're like, well, I'm still going to go do it, because it's my, like, I have to. Yeah. And And then you have these fucking assholes here that are, oh, no, you're... You're lower than dirt. And nah, nah, nah. here's some racial slurs for you. And uh, go fuck yourself. I was like, when I read this story about like a, a soldier and not being able to use this fucking GI Bill to buy a house, it made me fucking furious. Like, how could you do that to somebody? Because, you know, it's all pre um, civil rights movement. And mm-hmm. I hate that that happens. Like, these people went and they gave just as much as anybody else. They mm-hmm. gave it all. They didn't care. And you're still not going to treat them like shit and not give them the same entitlements that you give everybody else? Okay. Okay. Like, that fucking reflects really well on you guys. So, uh, th- th- that's something I, uh, I've been enjoying, like, for the past, like, you know, few years and stuff like that like being able to see like different you know diverse storytelling when it's coming to like war movies like that and you will probably see more because you know like like world War II, it's it's very easy to portray good and evil and you always find you always have like new uh stories that then like uh one of the movies you had in there, I, that i saw when i was like 19 because it came out in 2012 red tails Red Tails is a historical thing. It's a very real thing. But the way that they made the movie, they made the movie kind of like a 1940s B picture. Like all yeah. the guys, like the dialogue, it's like, it's it's very hacky like that. Like it's nothing too serious. Uh, they all have nicknames like Lightning and Easy. And it's okay movie. Like it, it has some great like flight scenes and stuff like this. Uh, also a stat cast. But yeah, like you can tell, like they weren't really trying to make like a historical movie. Like I think, like you have to probably see to Keekly Airman, which was an HBO movie with Lawrence Fishburne. You have to see that for that. But yeah, like not everything has to be all serious and stuff like that. So that that's something I really enjoyed about Red Tail. Like I was watching that like a month or two ago. Like it was on HBO. And I, was watching, I was like, damn man, I'm really in, I'm really enjoying Red Tails. 
You know, I didn't go watch Red Tails originally because mm-hmm. the trailer threw me off. Like, I just didn't like the trailer because it had fucking Skrillex in it. And then, because uh, <laughs> I was just like, what, what the hell is this? Like, it looked mm-hmm. like like a kid movie or mm-hmm. like something that I didn't want to watch. And then I think I saw Method Man and I was like, okay, I'm for sure not going to go watch this thing. <laughs> I, I think he's like a mechanic. They degraded my man like that? Yeah, I think he's like a mechanic and stuff like that. Like he works on like on the plane and stuff like that. He wasn't a pilot. <sighs> Poor Method Man. But yeah, I saw <laughs> it. I did go like see it afterwards, but I was like, all right, like it's not bad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because I'm looking at the stats for it and like, the budget was a uh, fifty-eight. It only made fifty point four mm-hmm. at the box office, but I don't know. I think it was just marketed wrong. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't portrayed as the Tuskegee Airman or like mm-hmm. something historic that happened. It was just like another movie about these dudes fighting in planes. It's a mostly black cla- cla- cast, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I just I think they should do something well. Yeah. For the Tuskegee Airmen and for all those other units that like Wind Talkers was an okay movie as well, but mm-hmm. it talked about you know those Indians that went and did the codes and and all that crap. And then you have Red Tails, which I didn't think got the same recognition. Mm-hmm. Like the story wasn't as good. It wasn't as it didn't emotionally draw you yes. in as much as that. Because I remember uh, like George Lucas, he I got to give credit to him and stuff like that. Like he pretty much came up with the whole like budget on his own and stuff because he was saying like he was like no no studio wants to make this god damn and like you know like with the uh, his visual effects studio like they came up they did like the visual effects and stuff like that so to me getting it made was a plus and stuff like that so i was like you know shout out george lucas for that but yeah, like you can tell like when you we just sit down and watch it like it's just trying to be like a you know decent b picture and stuff which yeah. is cool and if you look for something more historic like i said like the tequila airman i haven't seen but it's on hbo uh it's an hbo movie and like that was like more probably like historically accurate uh do do they have like any uh i'm pretty sure you can find like foreign films or any like films in america like with uh predominantly like uh latino uh, lead characters and like how their point of view for because I'm like that to me that, that that's another thing that they could probably do. I don't think so. Um, no, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Like I think a lot of them were. It was like the Saving Private Ryan's. The you had Hacksaw Ridge. Mm-hmm. The like you had the those other movies that are like more blockbustery. Mm. And the storytelling isn't so much about historical accuracy, but mm. it's more about just portraying, uh, I guess, a good story. Mm. You kind of get what I mean? Yeah, and uh, a, 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 like a lot of the ranks were still like segregated back then. Yeah, so it's, it's just like a, yeah. Let me let me Google if we can find some World War Two movies. Because I'm like, I'm thinking of like maybe Michael Pena heading something, but yeah, I see nothing here. Yeah, that's fucked up. 
and you know, we, they, you know, Hispanic Americans they fought in every major American war. Uh, it said between four hundred thousand and five hundred thousand Hispanic Americans served in the U.S. Armed Forces during World War II. So it's like they they, they were there. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> said, but was generally okay. They were generally included in the general white populations. So you probably had a lot of like, I I hate using this word. So like, cause it 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 takes away like people you know heritage and stuff there. But you you probably had a lot of like, uh, Hispanic Americans that could probably pass for white in the ranks and stuff like that. That they probably you know you had a lot that didn't, but like the ones that could, like they probably didn't really get shit on. Because in bands of brothers, you see people of Latino descent, like, in the ranks with them. Well, you see it in uh Private Ryan, too. Yeah. Caparzo was the first one to die, and that's played by Vin Diesel. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and I remember reading about back in the 50s and 60s, when they did these World War II movies, they just had white dudes play the Mexicans and play the black people and play the Indians. <laughs> and they would literally put them in blackface and shit like that. Like yeah. when you had these perfectly great Hispanic actors and uh, stateside, they wouldn't touch them for their films, but you go to the mm-hmm. Mexican cinema or, you know, South of the border cinema and they're all over the place. They're doing these huge movies down there, but then you come up to the States and it's like, no, we, we got John Wayne. He can do it. Genghis Khan. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. You, you want a good laugh? Google that one. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll wait till after. We're <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I'll only talk about that. But yeah, after. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. There's there's so much like that. I think they could do better in cinema just to portray like the real stories and the real aspects of it and, and the different units that were segregated because of their skin color or whatever it was. I mean, they made inglorious fucking bastards. <laughs> you you can do some gritty stuff with whatever you made these yeah. these units do. Because you know they wouldn't put them first to go do the dirtiest of the dirt and, yeah. and all that. So just put it out there. Yeah, I was like, I'm glad you brought up inglorious, but that's a word right there. Like, I would never claim to be historically accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but it's World War II canon. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. We were talking earlier about the the filthy twelve or the dirty dozen, whatever the hell it was, and that's basically what Inglorious Bastards was based on. <laughs> so uh, that's what I was, I was like. That's canon to me. Like, if I'm ever like doing, they were like, "Oh, come up with like historical." World War Two movies like World Glorious, but it'll be it'll be in there under like some DVDs. Like I won't like throw it on top. I'll try to like sneak it in there. <laughs> hey, what the what the fuck is this? <laughs> Why is this on the Schindler's list? Hey man, just put it in there. <laughs> like, that, that's another thing there. we didn't go through is <clears throat> we didn't talk about the uh, the the boy in the striped pajamas and you know yeah. those movies that talked about yeah. You know, the shit that was going on in Germany. Yeah, yeah. But, that's true. I, I was kind of conflicted. I was like, they they really are World War II movies because like Holocaust was doing World War II, 
But I was like, are we going to really just do like the army aspect? Like, I, I, like I said, I was thinking about Shane's list. I'm glad you brought up the blood and stripe gym. I was thinking about that. I was like, if it comes up, we can definitely go down that lane. And I see that's the lane we're going down. <laughs> and yeah, like I, I'm all for it. Like, yeah, that's that, that. I think that's like everybody. Well, The movie came out in like what, 2006? Or was it 2008? Which one? The Boy in the Striper Gym. Yeah, 2008. So, like, I'm like in high school, maybe like 10th grade. And yeah, that's all you hear about is, man, that ending is fucked up. Dude, but that's some shit, like. Yeah. That had to have actually happened. Like that had to because the way that this kid is interacting with the boy in the striped pajamas, like he doesn't know better. Like I felt like his dad was trying to keep him from that to not really teach him the Nazi way. Mm -hmm. So I could see that happening where this kid just finds a buddy and they're separated by a fence. Mm -hmm. They want to switch roles and that shit happens like that. I think that had to have happened at least once, and it's unfortunate, but, I mean, when you try and hide something this gruesome and this disgusting, I fucking say it's karma, man. Like, shit. Yeah. I totally agree about that, and it's like, that is just... It's just crazy, because you know, like, the SS guards, like, had to have families. And I'm pretty sure, like, that definitely happened. Like, they had sons that didn't really too much have friends. And just like, yo, I see a, a kid around my age across my fence and stuff like that. Let me just say hi and see what's up. Especially because and... if they're moving around, going from camp to camp, like, yep. you know, the guy's the the leader of the camp. I don't know what you call him, but that, that might have happened. Like, they, mm-hmm. they don't know better. And. I don't know if the kids are going to school. I don't know if they're learning, but when you stumble upon something and then you have this relationship with a kid mm-hmm. and you're, you know, a fucking child yourself, you don't know better. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what are they? And then what about those kids that got caught, you know, helping the little Jewish kid out? Oh, I brought him food because he's hungry. Yeah. Like, would the same punishments apply to them as like in Jojo Rabbit where they're hanging him in the, in the, the, the town square? Yeah. Cause like uh, just like a joke that, that Hitler Youth that that's a that was a real thing. Propaganda, man. Yeah. Propaganda. Just, just just think of them not as humans, but as like like in Gore's best, like as rats. They have you know uh, fame. They have disease and stuff like that. Like you you're looking at people as subhuman. And and once you reach that once you reach that point to where the person you you, you can't even be doing anything to them because you don't see them as people. So yeah, I'm I'm for sure like that might have happened and stuff like that. And uh I, I the Born a Striper Jam like that was hard to watch, but like Schindler's list took it to like another level. Oh, Schindler's list fucked me up, man. We saw it in class and I yeah. was just like, Oh fuck, this sucks. That, that the little girl in the red jacket. Yeah. That's like the only color in the movie that you see. And then, like, later on, you see that you just see like the red jacket, like in a pile of clothes, and you just like, fuck. I think the fact that it was shot the way it was shot, mm-hmm. 
just made it so much more powerful because you you really get like what's the word uh involved in the time frame like you, mm-hmm. everything you see from back then is always black and white mm-hmm. so I remember growing up, like for the longest time, you thought, "Oh, well, everything must have been black and white." Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I, I thought the same thing. I thought when you when you watched back, you was like, "Well, damn, when the fuck did the world become color?" <laughs> What's that movie with uh, Peter Parker? What? What? The movie? Um... Oh, uh, you talking about Pleasantville? There you go, Pleasant. That's what I thought the world was like. Like, oh shit, <laughs> I gotta paint myself black and white because there's color on me. What the fuck? <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah anyways we'll, we'll go back to the <laughs> the black and white thing like I, I really think that played a huge role mm. in getting it so immersive for you like just oh fuck that red jacket man because yeah. you feel every ounce of that movie and this guy trying to help people <clears throat> and it's just it's it's sad it's sad as shit yeah uh that's something I, I like Spielberg he's a you know he makes these big 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 blockbuster pictures and stuff like that and then like he starts to become like more serious and stuff like that so like that's what he did for like Schindler's List because he is Jewish and so you you know like Steven Spielberg is 74 years old there's probably a chance that people in his family were in the Holocaust and like he probably has like first hand experience and if not he he knows and have met survivors so you know it, it, it would be like meet people someone in my family like being a, like a slave and like i have first-hand knowledge of that like i have first-hand knowledge of like the racism my grandpa experienced and stuff like that like 50 60 years ago yeah so growing up and stuff like that like he saw that and like that definitely you know, influence him and like Schindler just came at the perfect time for him where he was able to just put it all out there. Holy shit. It made three hundred and twenty two million. Yeah. And once it's of the Holocaust, he said that his parents talked about it all the time and it was always on my mind. He said his father lost between 16 and 20 relatives in the in the Holocaust. Christ. So it, yeah, it, it, it's just like like you know like growing up and stuff like that. Like he's he's of that age and stuff like that. Where you know he was probably let's see he was born in 46. So like World War II had like ended. Like he's he's born like it was like a, a economic boom after World War II if I remember correctly. So you know they're, they're very prosper and stuff like that thing like suburbs everything is good you get all these good jobs and like factories and stuff like that but you also have like these guys coming back from the war women coming back from like working in the fact doing all the jobs that they were doing and you know like his dad like telling you was like oh you know i lost family doing this thing and just to hear like you know because people like de- deny that this happened and he was like how the fuck are you gonna tell me when I lost people doing this? That that's fucking insane. Yeah, that's fucking insane. I'm rewatching the uh, the trailer for it, and like, mm-hmm. you see a lot of handheld shots, which is kind of adds to the mm-hmm. the craziness. 
of it all. Like, you know, there's panic, there's chaos when they're loading them onto the damn trains and shit, man. This is masterpiece, like for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to think, like that same year he made Jurassic Park. You talk about like a fucking one eighty right there. Yeah. You go from this super serious, sentimental piece to we brought dinosaurs back, y'all. Mm-hmm. And I love like Liam Neeson's character in uh, Schindler's List and stuff like that. Like he's he's just trying to make money. He's good with the Germans and stuff like that. Like he he's aware of what's going on, but that shit it has nothing to do with him. And he's about the bottom line. Like I think like. Early in the movie, something like he's at the parties with them and stuff like that. He's just, you know, trying to get his factory going and stuff. And he, it just gets to the point where he just can't look away anymore. I mean, as a human being, how long can you really turn the cheek? Yeah, you'd be surprised. (laughs) So uh, that's. To like that, that that was like a masterful performance that he gave. Oh yeah, and he just you know he was like, all right, well, I won't be able to save everybody, but I'll save as much as I can. And he he took on that responsibility, and uh, I think it had a little bit of backlash against that because you know they was like, oh, it's a movie about hope and stuff like that. Well, like, you know, sometimes you you know you gotta show some hope. I don't know how you can give a film like that freaking backlash, man. Like, <laughs> it's historical. It's some shit that happened, and yeah, like you, uh, you, like I said, you will be surprised at like some of like the criticism. Some shit comes up with you, like what? <laughs> I'm surprised with it now. Like, I don't want to get into it, but I've seen some shit come out. It's like, oh, we're trying to do this, and then some idiot out of left field. Well, that's bad because da 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 da. I'm like, really, like that. That's your point. You don't want to sit down and think about that for <laughs> two seconds before you yeah. open your mouth again. Yeah, that's oh, it's too bleak. Like, come on, man. And uh, I'm reading this. It's a, according to filmmaker York Hayes, the scene in which a group of women confuse an actual shower with the gas chamber is taken directly. Uh, okay, it's, it's a uh, he, he was saying like that was taken from his film, but like he was uh, unable to find the case. Uh, it was, you know, some controversy in Germany, of course. <laughs> yeah, because they're big on you. You don't mention that shit. <laughs> By the way, I did look up uh, The Conqueror, and holy shit. Look up what? The Conqueror, uh-huh. 1956, John Wayne. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. But if you guys made it this far in the episode before we, we close this out, go to Google, type in The Conqueror 1956 film, and look at the images. Thank you later. <laughs> and the fucked up part is, like, I think, like, that was shot, like, in, like, Nevada where they did, like, uh, atomic bomb testings. So, like, what the that, fuck? that might have been how he caught cancer. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Well, um, hey, thanks for coming on this journey with us. <laughs> this episode was kind of heavy, but it was also kind of funny. Like, yeah, I, 
it's it's his historical accuracies in movies and the portrayals of some things. Like I just I don't know. There's a lot of stuff out there that people should mm. watch and um just take in because I think we forget a lot of it. Yeah, like and the, we we didn't talk about uh, like Hacksaw Ridge and stuff. Yeah, that, that was a good ass movie too. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I, June sixth, it's coming up, so I want to do something different that we haven't done before and mm-hmm. uh, i think i think we did well with it just talking about a little bit of of everything really with the different movies and getting serious with some stuff and then you know you got friggin taika watiti's hitler which was hilarious but that's my that's my two cents you got anything <laughs> to add before we close it out sir uh, just you know like some maybe some a stuff. recommendation yeah, well, go go watch the thin red line. I'll, I'll second that. <laughs> it's like, I think a lot of people slept on that one. Yeah, like, what the fuck? It's just voiceovers in nature. What is this? <laughs> it is an amazing movie. Go watch that, and then go watch Jojo Rabbit just to get a good laugh. <laughs> yes. So, uh, I guess. Continue to watch and share the show, please. We definitely want more reviews. Uh, we enjoy doing this, and we're just going to keep on going as much as we can. Uh, we would prefer to have three people, but sometimes life gets in the way of that. And, you know, Fr- Frank will be back next week, and like we'll be back to rock and roll and stuff like that. And then we'll also, we, we were going to have a guest, but like once again, life gets in the way of that. But yeah, like the VA got in the way of that one. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I really didn't know. Yeah, talking about World War II and the VA got involved. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, really, I can't thank y'all enough. Uh, just share the show; we appreciate it. Thanks to our Patreons. And uh, next week, if you guys have your favorite open se- opening sequences, DM us. Give us a YouTube link or something. Because we're going to talk about that. It'll probably be a video version, so I'll put that up on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. You get the audio version here. But uh, that might be a short episode, just kind of depending on how long our lists are. I'm not giving these guys a mm-hmm. criteria. I just want to see where our tastes are in different films and movies. And mm-hmm. I mean, shit, you might have a Marvel movie in there. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I was like, you, you never know. All right, y'all. We'll see you next week. Good one. silent. I know.